1: Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Badlands podcast. The only podcast out there that is 100% chiselled and is proudly part of the Chairshot Radio Network. I am Mags, and with me today, my long-suffering podcast wife, Mr Paul Tolley. Paul, how are you?
2: I'm alright, I'm I'm in my happy place for the next hour, hour and a half. Uh, (laughs) It's pretty grim over here at the moment, isn't it? but um it, it, that's this is, really, this is happy if, I'm your,
1: if i'm your happy place then you are you are doing life wrong <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know you're my happy place even when covid isn't here
1: that's is very Boys. very true how are very, you man yeah not too bad these days are just melted into one another with with the lockdown and covid and not being able to see friends and family Yeah, it's, it's getting annoying but if i don't do podcasts like this i'd end up probably going on a mass murder and uh and just killing everybody, so <laughs> <laughs> so swings and roundabouts, I suppose. Like got that. So yeah, that got really dark. <laughs> Um And how to brighten it up, though, uh, Paul? One of the one of the most brightest people on wrestling Twitter. Uh, someone who, when you one of his tweets comes over the the timeline, or he puts some content out, he just you can't help but have a massive smile on your face because. We know wrestling Twitter can be incredibly toxic, uh, and there's a there's a handful of people who, are, who just really brand you there. And uh, we've we've managed to bag an amazing guest in the one and only Spencer Love. Spencer, how are you, sir?
0: Hey, friends. I'm good. I'm a little. Uh, I'm a little nervous after that whole mass murder confession there, Mag.
1: Other than that. <laughs> Just <laughs> for the record it was not a confession <laughs> okay not a, like a warning <laughs> <laughs> using
0: yeah, my air quotes <laughs> <laughs> across the video skype here i'm doing great though guys and thanks so much for having me i told you guys before we started recording i've told you guys before too i love seeing you guys on twitter i love listening to the badlands podcast i love checking out everything you guys have going on here on Chairshot. so it's cool to be a part of it in my own small way for my own small little episode
1: Absolutely, our pleasure. We've uh, we love having guests who, who bring positivity to to the show, and yeah, we we can't wait to to see how our picks are, are, are comparable to yours, and 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 really find out who's on your Mount Rushmore wrestling. But before we get there, you've uh you took a little bit of a break from uh, creating content, but now you're back with a vengeance, and then some um, with your with your network of. Uh, i Love wrestling where you brought in uh, some some really amazing content creators, and you're you're putting out just quality banger after banger of content. Uh, yeah, t- tell us a little bit about it and and the idea behind it, and and uh, what what brought you back to creating.
0: Man, that means a lot, and thank you. I'm I'm very, very lucky to get to work with the people I do, and, and whether it's Josh, whether it's Zach, like literally anybody, so I'm not going to start naming them all off because I'd name them all off. Um, I'm incredibly lucky to get to work with the people I do. I think that um, they're all very like-minded, as you guys are on the show here too, that um, professional wrestling doesn't have enough positivity in it, and I know that that's a phrase that... Um, gets thrown around and has sort of been misused by even I think a couple of sites or a couple of people out there sometimes um but there just really isn't enough of that you know to to make a pun of it why not uh there's not enough love in professional wrestling you know i think for me uh my theory in professional wrestling is that uh i choose to focus on what i love about it what i see as positives in it what i what I love about it, you know, whether it's a match, whether it's a professional wrestler, whether it's a personality, a pay-per-view, whatever it may be. Um, that's not to say there isn't negativity in professional wrestling. That's not to say there isn't stuff that uh, shouldn't be commented upon or or stuff that shouldn't be looked at and rightfully criticized. But um, for me, when I'm looking, for example, at, say, a Monday Night Raw or a Dynamite or whatever it may be, and uh, that show ain't to my liking for whatever reason, there's no need for me to sit there and hate watch the thing and send my negative opinion out there into the ether like so many people do. I prefer to focus on what I love. I liked Monday Night Raw's main event last night with Alexa Bliss and Oska. I thought it was neat. I love that supernatural stuff in professional wrestling. So I'm happy to talk about that, you know? Um, my previous venture with the WCSN, I I really did love professional wrestling, but I I just to take all the brass tacks I can on it, it really was a first venture, you know, and there were a lot of things that I found uh, limiting about it. There were a lot of things that I found I did start to focus a little bit too much on the negative or things I didn't like in some aspects, Um, and it became a drain, and I found that once something becomes a drain in your life, whether it's pro wrestling, another sport, another hobby— potentially a job I know that's got a little bit more uh fluctuation in it in a lot of senses but if something that something's that much of a drag in your life especially when you're doing it for free um there's no sense in putting your mental health or anything like that through it so like you said I I took a few months off um but pretty well as soon as I made the decision to uh back down from the WCSN it was well how do I get back into this eventually and that was love wrestling so um yeah I do interviews I put out the nice thing with sort of running the network and running a site is is you can do really whatever you want, whatever your heart desires with it. So uh, if I want to write an article on Chelsea Green like I've got coming out this week, I'm going to do it. If I want to write an article on Drew McIntyre, I'm going to do it. If I want to do a podcast about the five reasons why Bret Hart's got the coolest sunglasses in pro wrestling, then damn it, I'm going to do it. But everything that we've got going on there is literally just what it's named, a celebration of our love of professional wrestling.
1: Yeah. and and it works so well i uh, i really enjoyed the the sunday brunch uh for me there's nothing better in wrestling than than chatting with uh with your friends about it and that's exactly what it is It's just literally chatting with two or three four guests at a time and spending an hour just shooting the shit about wrestling it's a, a really really simple but cool idea i, I really love that and I will buy Joshy on the network as well. So you can't really go around there. Um, that's
0: exactly yeah. it. My bias is always going to shine through when it comes to those guys. But like, man, <laughs> again, just such a great hearted person. That's, that's all you can really say. When, whenever I talk about professional wrestling matches, the biggest compliment I can give it is watch this match. There's no need for me to describe it. Just watch this match. And I feel like Josh, Zach, Joe, Carl, Ferris, everybody on the site. Like that's all it is, is they're great people. There's no need there's a want, but there's no need to dive into it any more than that, you know? Yeah. Man. But but even with the Sunday brunch you bring up, like that quite literally, Mags, it, it started. So we did the first live stream on our first Sunday and we jokingly titled it Sunday brunch so that we could have a beer while we were doing it. And we enjoyed doing it so much that, well, do you guys want to do this again next Sunday? And then the next Sunday, and then just keeps going from there. And again, it just develops, like you say, out of that love of talking about pro wrestling with like-minded people in some situations and very unlike-minded people in some situations Chris Parrish who works on the network with me I can tell you on one hand how many times we have agreed on a booking decision or anything along those lines but as long as people are respectful about it it's what they love in professional wrestling then why wouldn't you engage in a conversation about it right
1: exactly and and that's what we love on, on Badlands it's the subjectivity of wrestling we love uh having the debates uh I especially love when Paul's face goes bright red when I veto one of his uh, picks. Uh, (laughs) But I'm sure we'll get to that later on. Uh, What I would like from you now, Spencer, is is, uh, because this is your first time on Badlands, we'd like your Mount Rushmore of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Uh, Just the four wrestlers who really kind of resonate with you. Uh, So Mr. Tollier can uh, add them to our collated list of, uh, of the Mount Rushmore greatest wrestlers sounds good
0: friend i'll get the easy and i think probably the most obvious one for a lot of people out of the way first stone cold steve austin i think has to be on 99 percent of lists out there and the only reason that there's probably lists that he's not on or there are people out there who can make arguments for flair steamboat Sam Martino, and harley race you know like that's just again the subjectivity of professional wrestling the area you grow up in matters so much who you got to watch wrestle live matters so much but for me as a guy who um I was pretty well the definition I would say of a casual fan coming up through the Attitude Era and sort of early 2000s so for me I think the reason that Stone Cold sort of sticks out so much is even during that time when I wasn't watching wrestling for a couple weeks at a time or whatever he was the guy that I was always paying attention to what's Stone Cold up to what's he doing who's he feuding with and obviously the results speak for themselves. you know he's a six time WWE champion intercontinental champion Grand Slam champion I don't need to list through everything he's done he's main evented Manias his feud with the rock. I don't think there are many arguments for anybody who grew up in the advert uh, attitude era. Excuse me that that's the greatest feud of all time, or the, I guess, defining feud of uh, sort of our generation the guy eclipsed professional wrestling without doing much outside of professional wrestling. If that makes a lot of sense where the rock went out and the rock was trying to star in movies and trying to really get his name out there. And you see where he is now, obviously stone cold, at least as far as my memory serves, I'm going to get fact fact checked. I'm sure. But, uh, he wasn't doing a ton of that sort of stuff. There weren't sort of those celebrity appearances for stone cold. He really was, the personification of professional wrestling I think for a lot of people then now and forever to steal a phrase from WWE so I think for me he was he was the first guy that came to mind when I thought greatest professional wrestlers of all time he's literally the first result you'll find on Google can't make a better argument than that as far as I'm concerned so Stone Cold is uh Stone Cold's on the Mount Rushmore Uh, The other guy I've got to give that was a pretty obvious selection for me as far as uh, uh, the Mount Rushmore goes is John Cena. I think that that guy has quite literally carried professional wrestling from 2002 until 2019. Like that guy was on top of professional wrestling for the longest of my lifetime or the longest of my memory at the very least. I know there's guys, I mentioned Sam Martino earlier. And for me, I think that, Um, John Cena has, has, yeah, just, just, he, he carried the business through the lowest of low times and the ruthless aggression era and coming out of that. And he's carried at the highest of highs when WWE stocks trading at 70, 80, $90 a stock. If, if money's the metric, well, there you go. The proof's in the pudding there. If titles are your metric, the proof's in the pudding there. He's a 16 time world champ. He's got the most of all time it's all there right he's crossed off every box as far as again manias winning rumbles he's got a major return from injury which for me it's one of those like weird almost unspoken things but I feel like you can't go down as the goat or in in that consideration unless you've got like an all time great return and he's got it in 2008 right so he was really uh, uh, admittedly he was an easy pick I'm struggling for words but he was a very easy pick for me to make um, from there, it gets a little bit tougher cause that's where you start to, again, start to, um, you know, I guess do a little bit more comparison Well, this guy won eight titles versus this guy won 10 or whatever it may be. Uh, had to go with the heart a little bit though, both literally and figuratively, Brett, the Hitman heart makes my Mount Rushmore. I did well with that one. I'm pretty pleased with that pun. Good job. Spencer. I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I made me laugh. Um, Brett the Hitman Hart, though, as a Canadian, I I have to qualify everything I'm about to say with. Of course I'm biased. Back off. But uh, (laughs) he's, as far as I'm concerned, Canada's greatest export. He is, again, a multi-time champion. He's crossed all of those sort of accolades off. You know, don't need to list those. Um, The thing that puts Brett Hart on the list for me, and again, not a unique thought by any means, but one that has to be said, he could wrestle a broomstick and get a three and a half, four star match out of it. Like he could quite literally drag a good match out of anybody, not to shit on the guy. But you look at a guy like Tom McGee and everybody watches that match back. Well, is it a classic? By no means. Did he drag that guy to the best match of his career by a country mile? Absolutely. No one's going to argue that. And then you look at the matches that he did have with with some of the greats, you know, Roddy Piper, Kurt Henning. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, Davey Boy Smith, Owen Hart, all of those guys have one thing in common. They had their best matches with Brett the Hitman Hart, right? And I know there's a lot of room for debate on those, don't get me wrong, but that guy just, he he could wrestle anybody. He was safe doing it, which I think is something that, again, gets said a lot, but almost doesn't get the appreciation it deserves. Um, he did it all. He really, really did it all in an era where... Um, Almost conversely to John Cena, where it was really tough to do it all, where it was really tough to be the guy in an era where um, perhaps coming out of the Hulk Hogan era and all of that sort of stuff, uh, wrestling wasn't at its peak and wrestling wasn't as hot of a product as it had been. But Bret Hart carried that promotion through thick and thin. He did great, great work. I think that uh, the common critique anybody's got on him is, is his promos were weak bullshit sorry if you got to blink that out but I, I really don't buy that and again for me that might be the bias but I think the most important thing in in a promo isn't your eloquency it isn't who can use the biggest words it ain't a competition of that it's believability and there were very few times to be quite honest with you that I heard Bret Hart talk and I didn't believe what he was saying and that's important for me I think that that's a distinction that um not to put myself over, I sound like a bit of a jerk saying it, admittedly, but I don't think a lot of people do put that much stock into something like that. It's all uh, the words used and, 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 and things of that nature, I suppose. Uh, Bret Hart was always believable. And he had some killer promos. This is bullshit, pushing Vince McMahon over. Try and tell me that that's not a promo that got you fired up.
1: Yep. Um, yeah, I've seen WCW in the middle of a WWE, uh, WWE refereeing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <Great>. <laughs> Who are you to doubt El Dandy?
1: Right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Entertaining. Bret Hart did it all. Bret Hart is Canada's greatest export. There are a lot of great Canadian professional wrestlers. I think Mm -hmm. he stands atop them all. Uh, And then one of Canada's greatest adopted sons uh, rounds out my Mount Rushmore. The beast incarnate Brock Lesnar makes it on Spencer loves Mount Rushmore. Now hear me out on this one, because I think a lot of people will hear that and they, I get it. Like I would laugh if I was hearing this and hadn't had to back it up a million times myself, but Brock Lesnar, much like John Cena over the last little bit, last 15 years with the absence, uh, he took for UFC nobody has been as vital to WWE and I think professional wrestling success as Brock Lesnar has been, you know, there's a measurable increase in views. There's a measurable inc- increase, excuse me, in buy rate and all of those sort of tangible money metrics. Uh, anytime Brock Lesnar appears on TV, he brings that legitimacy. I talk about with uh, a guy like Bret Hart, the greatest technician of all time, Brock Lesnar comes out. He looks like he could kill a brick and I know that that's not the be all end all in professional wrestling anymore, nor should it be, but you do need that by the same metric. If wrestling's a buffet, you can't completely ignore the big honking piece of meat at the end of the buffet. Right. And that's Brock Lesnar. He's a prime attraction. He is a mercenary. He is one of the greatest businessmen in professional wrestling. I think that goes understated. You know, I, I grew up an NHL fan. I don't know what, your guys' sort of sports of choice are outside of professional wrestling. But um, in the NHL, every year, it seems like there's one or two contracts where you say, oh, man, how the hell could this guy sign this contract, whatever it may be? Uh, the example I'll use uh, on Edmonton Oilers fans is for years, I remember people complaining about Sean Horkoff. He's a good hockey player. The guy got paid $6 bucks a year for six years, where uh, many people would make the argument that he was maybe a three or $4 million player. Signed when the time was right. The only argument I ever had, and it shut pretty well everybody up, is would you, if you were Sean Horkoff, if you were presented that contract, would you say no to being overpaid or to working things in your advantage or to be capitalizing off a great year, whatever, again, the metric may be? Brock Lesnar shows up for work when he wants, makes millions of dollars to do it, and he's either carrying a title or showing up at the biggest events of the year to lose a title. That ain't being a great businessman. I don't know what is. I really can't. And again, the in-ring stuff, I think, um, even without the UFC run, I think that the trajectory that he was on, obviously, given where he was in the WWE in 2001, 2002, 2003, the guy was legitimate. The guy was a badass. You weren't going to get, obviously, the same sort of... He's a former UFC fighter. You're not going to get the mileage out of that, but you are going to get the mileage of a 15-year Brock Lesnar WWE run if that's the argument you want to make. Well, what if Brock Lesnar didn't leave for UFC? He wouldn't be as big. Yeah, he arguably could be bigger. I just think that he's a guy who, again, um, is is almost underappreciated in the long run of things. I, I, I will plant my flag in that. Screw it. Let's not hesitate. Brock Lesnar's underrated. He's a Mount Rushmore talent. Come at me. <laughs> you,
1: you won't get any back chat about Brock Lesnar on, on Badlands because we, we love him. We think he's, he's going to be uh, missed when he finally does give up wrestling. I think he's a, a, not even a, a once-in-a-generation talent. He's a once-in-a-lifetime oh, type man. of talent. Could
0: you imagine, and, and I know that they're going to reveal it this year, so it's a bit of a moot point now. But could you imagine Brock Lesnar surprise returning as this ultra over babyface and going up against Roman Reigns now? Like, I, I get it. Yeah, they've done the match a lot. And yeah, you would have to present it uniquely in order for it to work again. Ultra babyface Brock. That is the only thing I need to say to convince anybody that that match would be great again.
1: <laughs> baby Brock. <laughs> I I love Huntsman Magazine reading Brock that was one of my favourites
0: Rock in the bank like again tell me that that guy's lot you know maybe he didn't do it as often to both his benefit and his detriment but like that guy is one of the most entertaining, one of the most funny individuals in professional wrestling when he wants to be. His segment with our truth is something I'll still go back and watch almost bi-weekly at this point. Just for his reactions, even the little stuff of, you know, I've got a year, I've got a year to cash this in. And then he like hits Paul Heyman with the papers and walks out of the ring. Like he's, he he is a consummate professional wrestler. And if that guy had been, if that guy had been with WWE the whole time, because I get again where the knock would come on longevity or he took a hiatus, wherever the argument may come. That guy would be talked about much, much more than he is right now as a a generational talent to once in a lifetime talent. I really do. People know he is, but I really think that that's not always applied specifically to WWE or, or wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a weird way to put it, because you know how great he is, but he's almost underrated in this specific mechanism that is pro wrestling. I don't know. Brock's just a shit. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, we, we've seen that uh, over the, the, the episodes that we've done of Badlands, that people who are actively still wrestling kind of do get overlooked. Uh, and it's only when you uh, you retire that that you get brought up a lot more on on, on badlands uh, uh, for the for the Mount Rushmore. Uh, but Paul, those are some great picks. Uh, how do they affect the tally? Uh, and also, how do they affect our own uh, Montreal Screwjob?
0: Yeah, well, well please yeah, you... tell me that's one vote for Brock. <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that's Brock's fourth
2: vote, which is which is low for low for the show. You know, our top are. Our top um, top candidates are up over thirty now, so Brock only got four. Um, that, that, that just takes him above Osprey and Ricarda, who um, I don't
0: yeah I love Ricarda, but I don't think he's, I don't think he's Brock in Lesnar's Lester level. <laughs> <laughs> um, and go. I like me some Will Osprey wrestling, but oh, seeing again could be a case of he's still wrestling, so I don't see it. I don't see that Mount Rushmore level yet.
1: No, he's not. Brock Lesnar all
0: day, every day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I, I can counter that with Will Ospreay because I did, uh, for another podcast, I did some uh, maths, and he's got the best five-star match ratio to actual matches that he's wrestled uh, in the history of wrestling. Uh, That's one, fascinating. That's yeah, interesting. 1.64% of his matches have got five stars. The next nearest was... Uh, a carder with 1.41 percent, something like that. So yeah, is technically he's the best wrestler like ever.
0: How many? How many <laughs> matches offhand is that?
1: Uh, he he wrestled. Um, I, I might have it here actually. He wrestled 789 matches, and he's got 13 uh, five-star plus matches out Amazing. of
0: that. Let's well, get going. it's right.
1: a good stat. Yeah. I'll so, I'll take that. So he's technically the best wrestler that has ever lived is hey, Will Ospreay. He's actually
0: disgusting. He's he's the, the best, best wrestler per capita. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> in that case, it's terrible. Lesnar's overtaken him in the chart here. Um, we need to do something about that. Uh, but you're right. I think, I think Brock will get a retirement boom if and when he retires. Someone who is getting a retirement boom, semi-retirement boom, is John Cena. So Cena's now um, now up to fifteen votes, catching up Chris Jericho, who's on nineteen. And Chris Jericho's once Chris Jericho came out of semi-retirement into fully active, his votes just fell off a cliff.
1: Yeah, he he was the front runner for a, a long while. Uh, and what what's his position? I, I bet he's nowhere even near the top four. Yeah, Jericho's still still sixth. Oh, that's—it's not as bad as I thought.
2: But um, but catching it. and Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart are both catching him as well. They they they're level pegging now on thirteen. You brought Oof. your you brought your homeboy Brett back uh, back level with Shawn Michaels.
1: That's been the most interesting battle over the last four or five months of this show.
0: That's the one. Keep, that that's is one keep. Uh, that. Outside of anything else that has all been wonderful thus far, that <laughs> is my favorite part. Of appearing on this podcast <laughs> is that at the very least i pulled bread even with 13 other wrong people
2: <laughs> and, uh,
0: and at the top as always
2: we've got rick Flair on 33 we've got the rock on 30 steve Austin's now on 31 so i said them in the wrong order steve austin's you put steve austin second and hulk hogan is fourth with 23.
0: yeah it makes sense too. Like, cause I like flair was definitely in consideration for me and just, I never got to watch him wrestle enough. It's hard to just only watch back video and stuff like that when you're doing stuff like this, because uh, you don't have that emotional tie. Like I said, when I was a, when I was a kid, stone cold was what I remembered. And that for me was one of the deciding factors and why he's on my list. And, you know, guys like flair wasn't. Yeah.
1: We've noticed kind of like the, the, the different ways that uh, 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 guests pick there is that you, you go for people who are uh, definitively classed as the best uh, or you'll have people who have won the most amount of uh, accolades or you'll get people who vote emotionally and they, they vote for the people who, who they really kind of gravitated to. Yeah. So let's get into this main topic, Spencer. Being, uh, being Canadian... We thought it would be very apropos uh, for you to, uh, to debate with us the, the Mount Rushmore of the greatest Canadian wrestlers of all time. So, who is your first pick? And I think we may have already heard his name already.
0: <laughs> yes let's get the uh let's get the obvious one out of the way off the bat of course if he's on my overall mount rushmore if i've called him the greatest export in canadian history brett the Hitman Hart heart has to be on my canadian mount rushmore um again both for what he's already done but how he's influenced such a wide variety of canadian professional wrestlers i know he's affected wrestlers from all countries don't get me wrong but um being based in Edmonton, we're only three hours North of, uh, of Calgary as is. So you get a lot of crossover between promotions and, and things of that nature. And, um, not as though Brett's training or has any official role as far as that goes anywhere, but just the impact that he has on on so many individuals from his work with Stampede, because so many people got to meet him, or they grew up knowing that Brett the Hitman Hart was from Calgary, Alberta, and that made it a tangible goal for them growing up in sort of the early 90s and stuff to actually aspire for WWE, you know, I, I couldn't tell you how many champions there were from Calgary or from Canada prior to Bret Hart, but, um, Bret was at least for me, um, the, the first guy associated with a lot of individuals I've run into when it comes to professional wrestling, when it comes to WWE champions, when it comes to all those, again, tangible metrics for, for professional wrestlers. So Pretty easy, both for what he did personally and what he continues to do, influencing the next generation of professional wrestlers.
1: Yep, yeah, it's it's it, it's an outstanding pick. You can't think of Canadian wrestling without thinking of, of of Bret Hart. So there's no there's no two ways about it. He's definitely on the, that Mount Rushmore of Canadian wrestlers. Um, I'm sure Ian's going to get brought up in on our Mount Rushmore poll, but I think it's you to go first this time for us. I think I think it is, yeah.
2: Um, I think we we we've, <laughs> we've got to put Brett on, haven't we? Let's, yeah. let's get let's get Brett out of the way. Um, uh, um, Spencer's wax lyrical about him. He was certainly he was my favourite growing up. Um, uh, so I've, I've always had that kind of emotional link with him, and you know we we. We we record another podcast um with uh with the nineties wrestling podcast looking back at at the moment we're looking back at nineteen ninety-one, kind of pay-per-view by pay-per-view. And it's it's quite clear looking back. These are these are pay-per-views I've not seen before, because they're a bit a little bit before my time, but it's quite clear looking back, um, in my opinion, even then he was the best um kind of between the ropes. Um, even in that period before, I mean, he, he, he just won the Intercontinental title in 1991, so before he was ever world champion. But yeah, he uh, he was already starting to kind of blow the competition away, in my opinion. And like you say, he um, he really oversaw that transition from from steroid guys to technical um, technical, like, r- real talented talented guys. So um, he, yeah, he played a, played a massive part in that whole. 90s shift to uh through to the through to the Attitude Era, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, for all the reasons you said, I've got to got to put Bret Hart on there.
1: Yeah, I, and, I agree.
0: And a Mount Rushmore theme song, if we can just throw that one in there too. Mount that, Rushmore yeah, theme.
1: Yeah. That opening guitar riff is is absolutely quality. It really gets you hyped up.
0: Yeah. And, uh, have oh you, yeah.
2: Have you heard his own song um for the uh the WrestleMania? WrestleMania, it's the album. It's, it's
0: actually, your ring actually my ringtone. Never. <laughs> Never been a right time to say goodbye. Never been a right time. <laughs> sick that's actually and and mark my words that's actually i've got it on my list because for anybody i've like it's almost embarrassing but um for anybody i like see as someone who's a goal to interview or um like a bucket list interview to be cliche with it um if i'm listening to interviews with them or anything along those lines i'll write down questions so like for someone like bret hart I literally in this note file i'm going off of right now i've got like 40 questions for him and that's one of my closing questions for him is i want to see if he'll do a couple of bars of uh, never been a right time to say goodbye for me
1: <laughs> that that would be the best talk about ever. a new ringtone
0: <laughs> be amazing. If
1: i can't say i've ever seen out. anyone ask him
2: about it
0: no uh, no and it's 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 fascinating like that entire album is fascinating like the undertaker sings that man in black song too and like the undertaker this huge protector of kayfabe singing this pop rock pop rock song on like a 90s <laughs> wrestlemania album like i miss the good old days where the boys were boys and we into the studio to sing our pop rock like are you kidding me man sorry that's that's neither here nor there positive spencer positive <laughs> <laughs> the, the whole album is extraordinary we we talked about it a few, a few weeks back and uh not as bad as you would think not great by any means but definitely not as bad as you would think like i'll bop to never been a right time to say goodbye oh yeah well i, I don't know i don't know if he's i don't know if he's a big deal in canada but
2: it, it was like simon cowell's first um, foray into music and uh, yeah. Simon Cowell's like he, he does the X Factor oh, I know. Yeah.
0: Simon makes me cry every year with America's Got Talent and Canada's Got Talent and all those Got Talent shows because they always bring you just the saddest most... <laughs> it's one of the only things I'll cry in is like dog movies and then any inspirational stories in these talent shows <laughs> seriously I'm so good at playing the flute and it all came because I was whatever the situation may be like you've got me you've got me <laughs>
1: wow Hit this, point, you guys <laughs> how, how have we gone from bret hart to can, canada's got talent that's a that's a real uh, well, kind of a six degrees of cry. separation I there <laughs> <you>.
0: <laughs> what, what makes spencer cry that's the jeopardy topic right there <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yeah i've got to agree with you both uh uh i'm definitely not going to veto Bret Hart because for me what stands out about him is is not even the 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 kind of uh the belts that he worn or the the what how he made me feel as a fan. It's the fact that if you took his wrestling style now and placed it in 2021 it would still work. He was so legitimate. He brought uh, a, a very technical. Uh, it was it was almost ahead of his time in terms of of, of wrestling, especially in the WWE, where it was all uh, one or two uh, moves from from a big guy. He had absolute skill, and he, he really kind of uh, sold the technical aspect of, of wrestling. And, and if he was around today, he would fit in perfectly with uh, with the style of twenty twenty one wrestling. So yeah, I can't. Big grudge bret hart going on the Matt rushmore um so, uh, and we
2: got we got for out there as well uh, again something we talk about a lot 97 when he pitted canada against america was just
1: when he pitted the world against the world
2: against america it, it was it's such an incredible time to watch wrestling
1: and unless we yeah. forget uh summerslam 92 where he carried uh, a very very drugged up uh david boy smith to one of the best matches uh uh, certainly of that period and, and of all time oh a classic
0: yeah. a classic and and you know you mentioned that match like you say every, everybody you talk to it's very cool for me um, again being being based in Edmonds and you get to ask a lot of people who have some pretty direct experience with this stuff what's your favourite Bret Hart match you ask 10 people that question you'll get 10 different answers for the most part whereas a lot of people and this isn't a knock but it is screw it Bret versus Sean when you talk about Shawn Michaels' great matches, well, they were with his friends and The Undertaker, mm-hmm. and that's really about it. And and they're great matches. The guy's quite easily one of the greatest talents of all time. But when it comes to Brett, I think that's one of the things that's really differentiated from uh, differentiated him for me, excuse me. Um, and especially when that Brett versus Shawn debate comes up, it comes up in every sport, right? Um, that's one of the biggest things for me where i give brett the edge is that he had great matches with everybody like yeah. I, you see the tweet every so often on twitter show me a brad show me a bad brett hart match i've never seen it answered
2: no I, i'm sorry sorry to link on brett hart a bit longer here but um how, how famous is he in canada in terms of transcending wrestling is is he just famous with wrestling fans or is he a, a,
0: a... He's, he's, it's he's, dying, he's famous for sure. He's famous. Um, yeah. Um, I, he's known for his wrestling. I don't think he's done very much outside of professional wrestling or, um, anything along those lines, but yeah, like you, you can ask pretty well, anybody who Bret Hart is and they'd be able to tell you. My dad knows who he is. So there's, there's <laughs> the best evidence I can ever give you. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Cause I've always wondered that. Cause, cause who, who, who we got over here? Um, Darren, uh, if you ask someone out on the street, like, do you know such and such? They'd say yes. You probably you probably got Hulk Hogan, haven't you? Yeah,
1: well, he's not particularly British, though. So, um, well, he's, not, if, he's not British at all. Yeah, exactly. I was <laughs> just saying in terms of wrestlers. Um,
2: but yeah, in br- in British wrestlers. It's Big Daddy, isn't it? Wrestler,
1: that's it. It's Big Daddy. Maybe giant hair stacks. Uh, nobody from the past 20 years. No, uh, no one did a Will Osprey. <laughs> 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 There's it's another incredible. argument. <laughs> <laughs> no one has heard of the technically the greatest wrestler that's ever lived wow that's shocking uh, let's let's get on to spencer's second pick uh, who uh who makes your uh, second spot on your mount richmond canadian wrestler spencer my second
0: pick is one who again i almost feel is is underrated and um i think specifically underappreciated is a great canadian trish stratus how Ooh. more people aren't talking about the fact that it's it's so silly to say, but like with a guy like Bret Hart, again, you hear Bret Hart and oh, that's Canada. That's Canada, baby. You know, Trish Stratus, I don't think gets that same recognition and I'm frustrated about it. I'm very frustrated about it. Trish Stratus is is a game changer, like a game changer in all the same ways. I think a lot of the women of today are, um, and I think that it's, it's really, really unfortunate that, um, perhaps women's wrestling wasn't as, um, prevalent or, or the desire, not the desire. It's a weird way to talk about it, but, um, women just weren't presented the same way then as they are now, I guess is the best way to put it. And someone like Trish Stratus, who, I admittedly took her licks with a lot of those really um, gaudy storylines that did take place in the late 90s. She was also someone who stood out much like Alita or a Mickie James or a Molly Holly is a woman who wanted to wrestle. And I think that that, at least in my experience and speaking to pro wrestlers, that impacted so many pro wrestlers, not just women, so many pro wrestlers to go out there and be great wrestlers it's insane. It's absolutely insane. The impact that she's had on the sport, I think is still to this day, pretty understated in the grand scheme of things. And that's just not fair. Damn it. Um, multi-time champ. Like if you want to give all the accolades, she's got them. You got to scroll down when you get to the accolades part or the championships part on her Wikipedia page. So there's enough evidence for you, folks. She's done all of that. She's had the great returns. She's had the moments in uh, the Royal Rumble. She's had it at SummerSlam against Charlotte Flair on a stacked card. For me, that was arguably the best match. And I don't think many people would really debate that. And that's Trish Stratus doing that. I think she debuted even in 98 so that's 20 years after she had originally began professional wrestling. And I should like emphasize originally began professional wrestling. This isn't someone who, um, went through the Indies or went through sort of your traditional development of a professional wrestler. And I know this is audio only, So stressing that I'm using my air quotes here. Um, Trish Stratus is, is someone who, um, came into professional wrestling, worked her ass off in professional wrestling, earned everything that she did get and inspired the next generation. And I think for me, um, you talk about great accolades in a person. You talk about accolades that I think, you know, I'm biased with it, but I think accolades that a lot of Canadians are known for is their hard work, perseverance, sort of the lumberjack mentality, I like to call it. Um, Trish Stratus had it she had it in spades um, And again Great matches man great great matches With Mickey James with Lita with all Of the aforementioned women um, She was the pillar Right and uh, that doesn't get Recognized enough I think that Trish Stratus Is a Mount Rushmore talent I think that Trish Stratus is a women's Mount Rushmore Talent and to be quite honest with you Guys I, I think she's just A Mount Rushmore talent Period
1: Yep, I, I I have to agree. Uh, I think she was pivotal in uh, in the transition from women just being in two minute matches because of their looks to actually being able to to wrestle. Uh and what makes her stand out more is so, something that you you touched on is the fact she didn't enter wrestling as a wrestler. She was a valet. She had no wrestling experience at all. She learned on the job and she she learned quick and she like you said she busted her ass. Uh she didn't have to. She would have had a uh, a storied career as a valet a um but she she wanted to to be a wrestler and she was passionate about it and you cannot you cannot fault her for that. She was really kind of a trailblazer. Yeah,
2: absolutely. She's she's a, she's a great pick. Um,
0: yeah. thank you. I thought so too. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just, just echoing what you say, she could have come in. She could have rested on her laurels. She could have had a she could have had a ten fifteen year career in WWE on 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 looks alone. Um, but she didn't settle for that, and and she did drive she did drive that change. And, and kind we of still that,
0: want that Sasha Banks match. It may come, you never know.
1: Absolutely.
0: So, I'm not the first to put it into the universe, but the more you put it into the universe, right? No, well, what's, <laughs> she, what's she doing on Sunday?
1: Wish it into existence.
0: <laughs> Rubs hands together in glee.
1: <laughs> so, I'll go to my first pick on our Mount Rushmore, Paul. Uh, and I think you know who I'm going to go with. Uh, I'll get the obvious one out of the way the goat. The demo god Le Champion. I've got to go with uh Christopher Jericho.
2: Such you a... surprise me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I thought I'd throw throw one kind of a pick <laughs> out of the box just so you wouldn't know. Yeah, this guy is is the best wrestler that's ever worked for me. Uh, the way he's reinvented himself over his career, 30 plus year uh, wrestler wrestled in every big company that there is, Um, made a massive, massive impact when he came over to the the WRF in 1999. Um, The best uh, uh, introduction to a company ever for me. Multiple-time world champion, first ever undisputed champion, beating The Rock and Stone Cold, who were the biggest stars of the the time back then. Um, The guy has just done it all, knows exactly... Uh, to 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 not outstay his welcome, goes away, comes back and refre- he's refreshing his character, uh is successful in so many other mediums, books, podcasts, got a a, a chart topping band he's traveled the absolute world and and just trailblazed everywhere he goes and when we thought yeah he couldn't do any more the guy went over to new japan and set the absolute wrestling world alight and he was he was arguably a massive massive uh influence in in getting AEW up and running which he ended up becoming the the face of and really legitimized them as competition for for WWE first ever AEW champion uh, carried the company on his back for the for the, the first six months and even now he's still a massive player in in that company and he's somebody who if if he was available wwe would absolutely snap back up um yeah he, whilst recently his kind of like personal choices and his political leanings have left a little bit to be desired if we're talking in terms of wrestling he is he's, he's it clearly head and shoulders on the top of my Mount Rushmore of wrestling. Ergo, he has to be on top of the Mount Rushmore of Canadian wrestling for me. So I'm going to go with Chris Jericho.
2: You, you can keep him on, but he can't go head and shoulders above the others. That's, that's how Mount Rushmore <laughs> works. They're all on the same
0: level. <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd get to it, because if not, I was going to get him on. A call. I'm <laughs> He's pushing Rushmore it there. To-
1: I'm, a for it's a I'm sure you
0: guys both saw me on this chat, like go to pipe up like three times with that. <laughs> well played. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, and, and if we're moving on to me, I'm just going to keep going. Um, yeah. Jericho, Jericho was my third choice as well. I think that you nailed a lot of the same points that I did. Um, the amount of times that guy has reinvented himself is, is, just absolutely insane. Literally, the second ever like opinion piece I wrote. Um, I started writing WWE like pay per view previews, and then the first opinion piece I wrote, excuse me, um, was literally on my favorite theme music. The second ever, um, the second ever feature that I ever did was on. Chris Jericho and why I felt he was the greatest of all time. And I backed it up and like, this was literally like a 2000 word piece, which ain't much, but for a guy who'd never done it before is nuts. The amount of detail and time you put into that thing is crazy. And I think I wrote that in 2017. And the funny thing about it for me, because I've gone back and read it a couple of times since, is, um, Paul, you alluded to it, but um, this was right before he went back and uh, started wrestling for New Japan and, and did his thing there and wrestled Omega. And th- this is all done before AEW. And the thing that I love about that article now is I could go back and rewrite that article only focusing on the last three, four or five years and still make a pretty good case for why he's the goat, excluding all of the stuff I'd, I'd put in there previously, you could still make a great case. And that's absolutely, it's just fundamental to professional wrestling is the ability to change yourself. Right. Is like Bray Wyatt, I think is the very easy, obvious example. As far as it goes, a guy who was doing good work and people liked, and all of the hyperbole you want to put behind someone, he should be shot to the moon, brother, brother, and all of that. And I don't disagree, but Reinvention, And you see where he's at now, and you see the level that a Bray Wyatt's at now. Chris Jericho was even, I think, almost a step ahead of that in, in that he would consistently reinvent himself and do it as often as he could um, before, you know, even the need or the opportunity presented itself. You know what I mean? Like, with the list, like, yeah, flukes into it a little bit, but runs with it before there's even a need for Jericho to stop relying quote unquote on what he was doing prior to that, which is still going with the same gimmick that he'd had since he came back and came back at number two in the rumble and yada, yada, yada. I don't need to do the history of Jericho. Take it in, man. Um, I I just think you nailed it when, when you described his ability to reinvent himself, what he's doing then, what he's doing now is insane. The ability that he's had to remain consistent is nuts. Um, Yeah, no one can argue that he's a Mount Rushmore talent.
1: I I love listening to people wax lyrical about Chris Joker. It's one of my favorite (laughs) things things about this show.
0: (laughs) I can do it. Don't worry. I I can try and do it about most professional wrestlers.
2: (laughs) I mean, mean, everything he touches turns to gold. Like, to, to create. Catchphrase after catchphrase after catchphrase. That actually isn't easy to do at all. No. I mean, you can see Vince McMahon tries to create catchphrases all the time, and none of them stick. Um well, you, you say about the that's... like the, the best theme songs of all time. He had one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Then he wrote an even better one for himself really? that the entire crowd sing every Wednesday
0: night to him. <laughs> it's... And it's a question, it's it's one of my favorite questions to ask myself and like have almost a mental debate of is like jericho ever were to return to wwe how could you not use judas at this point right like to deviate a little bit off of jericho like if if dean ambrose ever went back to wwe would he use the name dean ambrose because he's become so damn popular as john moxley like these are the things that keep me up at night and kept me out of the good schools (laughs) (laughs) i mean i mean
2: what I think what's without doubt is that no matter what Chris Jericho has done in the last few years, I think, I think Vince McMahon
0: would sign him back in a, in an instant.
2: Absolutely, I think, I think it's no secret that he, he loves Chris Jericho.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and Jericho's I- gone on record a couple of times of saying that I I'm paraphrasing and interpreting in my own way here. So if I'm wrong, come at me. Um, But as far as I've sort of been led to believe, like Vince almost didn't believe that Jericho would go to AEW because, and Jericho has gone on record again as saying that he was so loyal to Vince McMahon. He was so tied to Vince that he had turned away opportunities like this previously. It just goes to show, at least again, it goes back to almost a Brock Lesnar argument for me. like he's a great business person and you need to be one to be a great professional wrestler. You you just do. And it's, it's unfortunate in some senses because there are some fantastic pro wrestlers out there that uh, maybe didn't get the recognition or the shine or whatever that they deserved because they maybe weren't great business people. And that almost shouldn't apply when you're talking about a sport, but when you're talking about entertainment, it's the most important part and i think after especially yesterday in the wwe and peacock deal we we firmly know which side of sport versus entertainment at least that promotion aims towards right not that it's a bad thing not that it's a good thing but it is the thing
1: yeah and i think a lot of fans forget that wrestling is a business at the end of the day uh we get uh as a group we get emotionally attached to uh, certain wrestlers or characters and when we don't kind of get uh, what we think is the best for, that, for those characters we, we, especially on social media we seem to throw our toys out of the pram but the companies are looking to earn money, AEW are looking to earn money, they, they're they not wrestling for the good of their health, they, they're wrestling to pay the bills and to, to earn a living uh, and I think a lot of fans kind of do forget that
0: Exactly. Like, could you imagine if, like, soda Twitter was as ruthless (laughs) and weird as, like, wrestling Twitter? Could you imagine if Coca-Cola fans were tweeting at Pepsi every day and complaining about Pepsi's marketing decisions and all of it? Man, it's nuts to me, like, this weird little... Environment
1: that we find ourselves in. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, here on Badlands, we are trying to get our toes into uh, Pork Scratching's Twitter.
0: If that's a thing, I-, I will politic for you guys all day as far as that goes. <laughs> Help me out with some product every so often and I will do what I can. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Well, before we go off on another incredibly insane tangent, Paul, your second pick, sir.
2: Okay, I find this one I find this one a bit tricky because I knew I knew you'd go for Jericho and I knew I couldn't do Jericho justice. I didn't go for Jericho. Obviously I have Bret Hart. I've got I've got a choice of two here and I still haven't decided which one I'm going for. And I, f- I think I'm gonna go boring as it is, I'm gonna go for Stewart.
1: Ooh, interesting. Let's try and stop me to from vetoing then.
2: The reason I'm gonna go for Stewart is I think he's almost like the father of modern wrestling. Um, obviously, I mean, Clearly, he trained Brett. He, he trained Owen. But he trained a hell of a lot of um, incredibly talented wrestlers. Uh, he wasn't much of a wrestler. Well, I wouldn't say he wasn't much of a wrestler himself. He, he wasn't as a renowned wrestler as others. He didn't get world championships. He kind of began as an amateur wrestler, he, in which he qualified for the 1940 Olympic Games but they were canceled due to war. Um, and he became a professional, professional wrestler in 1946 uh, in New York, going through NWA, and then obviously setting up um, Stampede Wrestling in Calgary, which wasn't called Stampede Wrestling in the beginning. I think it was called something else back, um, Big Cat Wrestling or something like that. Um, but it would go on to become Stampede Wrestling, which which I gather was a, a very popular promotion in Canada and kind of really trailblazed um, like wrestling on TV. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. I've read that it was one of the most popular
0: popular TV shows in in Canada. Oh, Paul. I'm I'm only keeping myself quiet so I don't take up another hour for you.
1: <laughs> if you want to
2: interject, absolutely. I um, say he's 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 there. I'm putting him in because because he is the patriarch of of the Hart family, which is incredible as we know, and he's the founder of of the dungeon. Um where some of the greatest names in, in pro wrestling today have trained. He's a WWE Hall of Famer. He's a Wrestling Observer Hall of Famer. And he has a, a member of the Order of Canada. So again, I'm relying on you, Spencer. To, is, is that a big thing? Is that like... Uh, that is
0: the highest civilian honor you can get. There you go. That, I've heard... Like, it, like a, like an, and, and now, this may be just a hot scoop, but I believe the highest civilian honor you can earn is is... Am I hearing it? Yes, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> big scoop there.)
2: <laughs> so I, I see it was equivalent to our knighthood then here.: Yeah. so uh,
0: it's uh, about as close as you can get, yeah.
2: that's Mike my, that's my Rushmore in itself.: Obviously the, the, dun- the dungeon is, is, um, is infamous, the kind of the style of the dungeon, uh, very very um. Uh, Draconia. Adam. Draconian. Very draconian. Uh, you know, a, an intense focus on submission wrestling, but but teaching submission as if, you know, as if it's the real deal. Uh, you know, that the, the students would learn what these moves did to the human body if applied correctly. And mm-hmm. um, apparently, Stewhart took no payment for any of the training he delivered at the dungeon. Just did it because he wanted his style of wrestling to kind of go out into the world. And he enjoyed he enjoyed training and torturing youngsters, uh, mm-hmm. which I don't think was sinister. I think mean, he, he just liked wrestling.
1: That went dark again.
0: <laughs> Murder, uh, child uh, torture, weird podcast today, you guys, is going to be my comment on this one. You, you've just got to listen to this list.
2: you got Brett, you got Owen, you've got the extended family, Jim, uh, Jim Neidhart, Natalia Neidhart, British Bulldog, then obviously you got Dynamite Kid, Abdullah the Butcher, Brian Pillman, Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Edge and Christian, uh, Dynamite stuff. Kid. Said,
0: like all of them, man.
2: Yeah, Jake That's the Snake that. Roberts, Junkyard Dog, Jushin van der Liga, trained in a dungeon, Ken Shamrock, Roddy Piper. It's, it's almost like a who's who of wrestling through the 90s and 90s and noughties mm-hmm. and, and beyond. So I think for, for the impact he had through setting up um, Stampede Wrestling through setting up the dungeon and just the the vast number of names he's trained and the style he's brought to pro wrestling. I put him on the Mount Rushmore.
1: I so want to veto. I really, really (laughs) do want to veto. But everything you've said is absolutely true. If If Stu Hart wasn't around... I think wrestling would not be what it what it was in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and certainly wouldn't have evolved into what we have today. So it was massively, massively influential. Uh, plus, he owned terrible Ted the Bear, and you of course. Terrible uh, Ted trained at the dungeon as well. Yeah.
0: There are not enough wrestling bears. There there simply aren't enough. You, anymore. you, you don't need any more once you got choir. terrible Ted.
1: You're pretty much
0: professional wrestling.
1: We adore I liked, terrible text like when bears were bears. Yeah, in the dressing. Room. <laughs> that has a whole other connotation nowadays, though. <laughs> you see, Yogi stealing picnics these days. Uh, pi- picnic. It's picnic. Picnic.
2: And Yogi Bear doesn't even operate these days. I'm showing my age there. yogi
0: bear is Yogi Bear's like a fine wine. You're good to go. That that <laughs> won't ever age.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I I can't veto Stewart Stewart. It's a it's an outstanding pick.
2: Excellent, thank you. Terrible actor, of course, Steve, Hart.
1: Oh, good lord. <laughs> good lord. The the match where um where Brett wins into contental title and uh, Lord Alfred Alfreds goes into the into the crowd to talk to him. He, he just couldn't give a toss. He just <laughs> was not bothered at all. He was just... I mean, Helen Hart's there really like kind of hugging Brett and like sobbing. And Stuart's there with just pant- his T-shirt tucked into his pants, which is uh, riding high like Simon Cole, Yeah, he just, it was not interested in the slightest. And they kept bringing him back. <laughs> kept bringing him back to <laughs> sex, sex segments. We'd have
2: to punch someone or he'd have to get punched and just very wooden.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he tried his best and had fun, okay? And that's yeah. what matters at the end of the day. And he might have done it for free. You never know. It cut off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, well it's, like... it's a great pick. Uh, Spencer, let's round off this madness uh, for your Mount Rushmore. Uh, who's right. your last pick?
0: Well, uh, I've, I've got to get through some honorable mentions, because as a Canadian, I feel like I have earned that right to not offend my fellow countrymen by leaving their names out of this. So uh, my couple of honorable mentions here, I've got Edge, I've got Lance Storm, I've got Owen Hart, I've got PCO, as he is currently known by. I, I again, talk about underappreciated individuals, this guy's the man. That's all there is. That's all I need to say about him. And I always have to specify Saskatchewan's own Rowdy Roddy Piper. Saskatchewan's own Rowdy Roddy Piper. Let's just make sure that that one is underlined, highlighted, and bolded. Um, for me, though, and and I am fully going to let my bias shine through again here, um, but I think an overarching theme in in my selections throughout the day have been just the impact on professional wrestling as a whole. And I think that the individual that I've got on my Mount Rushmore is my number four is someone who, uh, not only did so for the past 10, 15 years, but someone who, uh, is going to continue to do so. And it might surprise some people, but, uh, my pick number four is Tyson Kidd. I've got him as my number four on, on all time. And, um, Again, I I do say that with the caveat that a lot of the individuals that I even named in my honorable mentions, yeah, they've got accolades galore. They've got um, many that Tyson Kidd hadn't collected himself in his time in WWE, but... um, I, I do, and, and and this is sort of the only personal, I guess, point I'll make on it, the impact that that guy would have on professional wrestling had he not been hurt um, and had he continued to do what he was doing. You look at some of the tag matches that that guy was having, whether it was with Cesaro, whether it was with David Hart-Smith, um, my personal belief, man, is that if he was to continue to stay sort of in in that tag division, Cool. Would it be my preference? No, the guy's a great singles wrestler, but if he does that and he sticks around, um, I think you're looking at an entirely new trajectory for the tag team division in wrestling in in WWE. I really, really do the work that he was putting in again with Cesaro when they're going into elimination chamber, 2015, um, Wrestling the new day in Chicago, like some of those sorts of matches you guys watch back and uh, rightfully so. We're talking about DIY and the revival and American Alpha and that sort of being the golden age of tag team wrestling in uh, in WWE. Uh, I very respectfully, because they're great matches, but I very respectfully uh, disagree. You go watch 2014, 2015 WWE tearing it up they absolutely tear it up and a focal point of all of that is uh is tyson Kidd. and again just just to go back to the impact that he's had on on professional wrestling um i i don't say this is as hyperbole to be quite honest with you um that guy is going to have the same impact on canadian wrestlers now as i think uh brett hart did then i think that you look at some of the wrestlers coming out of alberta now you know it's kind of funny. I like the parallel of, we have the founder of the heart dungeon and we've got literally the last graduate of the heart dungeon here. Um, and in Tyson Kidd, you know, um, some of the names he's trained, whether it's Michael Richard blaze, whether it's Brandon van Danielson, whether it's the work he's doing with the women's division right now in SmackDown and, and raw, like it's nuts. I, I, don't think I've had the opportunity to be honest with you. And again, this is, I qualified at the start, but I'll qualify again that my bias fully shines through on this one. Um, but I don't think I've met a person smarter in professional wrestling than than Tyson Kidd, or at least had the opportunity to to speak to. And in speaking to other people here locally, the the impact that he's had on their careers and um as cheesy as it sounds, what's what's attainable for a professional wrestler and an indie wrestler out of Calgary, Alberta, or Edmonton, Alberta, is just so, so tangible, it's ridiculous. So, yeah, Tyson Kidd, I've got that guy's amount, Rushmore talent, I'll stand by it until the day I expire.
2: <laughs> and that's the proof, right? Because you, get, you know you interview a lot of wrestlers, and uh, we, can, we can sit here and talk all night about who we think are the greatest wrestlers of all time, but when you start to hear the same names popping up over and over again in coming out of other wrestlers mouths in interviews that's when you know their impact and how great
0: they are and sometimes they're they're really surprising names who you wouldn't afford yeah well yeah and and you know i know that it does sort of take away from um who's the greatest wrestler it's like talking about who's the greatest athlete right but um when people talk about the greatest athletes they always talk with michael jordan for example they don't just talk about well he could shoot a fucking basketball. They talk about his leadership. They talk about his ability to inspire others. They talk about his ability to command a room or whatever that may be. So for me, if you're looking at the sport of professional wrestling, not the entertainment side of it, but the sports side of it, then you can't take away those, those um, intangible qualities, you know, Um, again, to use the hockey comparison by my money, Jonathan Taves is one of the best hockey players of the last twenty years, and is he a hundred-point guy every year? No. Does he have the hands or the speed of a guy like a Connor McDavid? No. But the leadership ability that, that guy's shown and the ability to uh, inspire others and take other individuals to the next level—nobody's um, better by my money. So, um, if that's the considerations I'm going to give to uh, athletes in other sports, then. That's the consideration I've got to give to athletes in professional wrestling, and by that metric, by my money, uh, nobody in the past twenty years in Canadian professional wrestling has uh, has done that quite like T.J. Wilson Tyson Kid.
1: Outstanding pick, and the fact that there's potential that is wrestling is in ring career it may still not be over uh when we've seen the uh, comebacks uh, from from the likes of Daniel Bryan and, and Edge uh and there's a lot of uh, kind of uh, rumors going around that that he's on the cusp of, of, of perhaps returning yeah it's uh it's a, a great great pick i remember watching uh recently for uh, an episode of Badlands his match with uh Yoshi Tatsu uh, where they had a, a a leg on a pole match. Uh, it was yeah. absolutely a ridiculous setup for a match, uh, but it was a great match. It's such a good yeah. match to watch, so crisp and clean between the two guys. Um, yeah. yeah, it's a, an outstanding pick. A very, a one that you wouldn't necessarily consider, but yeah, I can mm-hmm. understand exactly the reasoning behind it.
0: Oh yeah, man. And like I said, I, I, I always will admit I'm fully biased towards... Uh, People you just know are great people, and as much as you can get to know of someone in an hour conversation or an hour interview, um, I admit that's not much. Don't get me wrong there, but frankly, number one, it's more than I've got with a lot of other legends of professional wrestling, Um, but getting that firsthand experience, a lot like I talk about with even Steve Austin earlier, and I know they're different firsthand experiences, but stone cold i have the first-hand experience of remembering him when i was a kid and and gravitating towards him and that's why he's on my mount rushmore and uh with tyson kid again getting the opportunity to pick his brain on stuff like that like you talk about his two appearances not just one but he spent two appear or, or he spent two years in in japan at the best of the super juniors like that's nuts and nobody talks about the stuff that he's done um because again maybe back then and and I'm I'm using my interpretation not fact here but um doesn't seem like back then it had the same sort of panache or, or same sort of legacy that it does now because for me that's like a scheduled event now as you sit down you watch the best of the super juniors every year whereas back then I don't I don't believe I should say that that, that it was the same but um the impact that he was able to have and um a, a kid from Calgary Alberta Canada um Going over and getting the opportunity to participate in that, not just once, but impress enough to go over and do it again two years later, um, it's nuts. You know, I think that Calgary has a great reputation in professional wrestling and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong there. But um, over probably the last 20, 30 years since the official first closure, I guess, of, of Stampede, um, it has sort of taken a bit of a hit as far as that international. Um, not reputation, but noticeability. It is definitely harder to get noticed now in Edmonton and Calgary and, uh, any really of the Pacific Northwest than it was back in, in sort of the eighties and nineties when stampede was not just a promotion, but like the independent quote unquote promotion. Right. So mm-hmm. the fact that there are individuals who, um, um, a, will go to bat for a guy like Tyson Kidd, rightfully so, because he's as talented as he is, but B, that there are individuals like a Tokyo Joe who takes him under his wing and uh, provides the conduit for him to go over to Japan and for that opportunity to work. Like, again, I'm I'm rambling at this point, but it just, for me, there is a lot of uh, extra weight given to the fact that that guy was able to do things that um, until he and Natty and uh, Davey Boy Smith Jr. went and did it, a lot of people thought was pretty unfathom, unfathomable up here, to be honest. Because, yeah, the Hearts have a great reputation <clears throat> in pro wrestling, but up until Brett came back to WWE, the last appearance you saw of Brett Hart was the Montreal screw job. And I don't think that that's mm-hmm. going to provide a great conduit for a lot of Calgarian professional wrestlers to go to WWE or provide a lot of desire for WWE to go to Calgary, you know? So, yeah. Again, I can give you guys a million reasons if you want me to keep going, but I think I'll leave it at that. I think I've got enough good reasons that Tyson Kidd is one of the all-time greats to come from the country. You've sold me. (laughs) My job is done. I'll see you later.
1: (laughs) <laughs> no, it, it's an outstanding pick. Uh, like I said, not somebody who I consider, but I totally get why uh, why he he has made such an impact for for you and and yeah, he absolutely deserves it. And hopefully, his wrestling career isn't done, and we do get to see uh, see him back in a ring very very soon. Um, let's uh, potentially round our Mount Rushmore off, Paul um, and Lark Spencer. It would be it would be really bad of me to not at least mention a couple of the the uh, honourable mentions that I've got. Um, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan's own, Roddy Papa's got to be brought up. Um, very tempted to, to to put him on. Owen Hart, Lance Storm, um, some massive... The Mountie. We could even have the Mountie on here.
0: Um, I mean, we could if you wanted to give
2: vetoed.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no. You should... He's got the honorary, like, fifth spot. We're in, like, I guess the entrance to the Canadian route, Mount Rushmore, like, yeah, and Mount Easton too.
1: He holds the just velvet on, rope.
0: Just on, like, the Canadiana alone. That's the perfect way to put it. He'll let you into Mount Rushmore.
1: But the, the one I'm actually going to go for is, uh is well, potentially it was part of a, a tag team with a, a very good friend of his who they, for a while, called him his brother in WWE. I'm going to go with Edge. So this is a a guy who's pretty much been a a WWE company guy all the way through his wrestling career. Started uh, with the company in uh, mid-2016, eventually came on to uh, to TV in the middle of uh, uh, 1998. Uh, Broke the neck of Jose Estrada in his first ever match. Um, but company, you're supposed to be selling him, yeah? I, I, I'll <laughs> get there, I'll get there. But the company felt... You can't get uh,
0: up before you dip.
1: <laughs> yeah, you need the drop. You need the drop before you climb the ladder. Um Yeah, the, the company really must have felt a lot about him because his first spot in a, in a, a pay-per-view was actually with... Tagging with Sable, who back then was one of the biggest stars in in the WWF, um, ended up being part of the Brood, which is a, a massive favorite of uh, of Badlands. Uh, teamed up with his brother, teamed up with uh, Gangrel, ended up winning his first ever Intercontinental Title when he beat Jeff Jarrett. The uh, the the pair of them kind of transitioned away from the vampire gimmick uh, and and then really kind of dug their heels into the tag division where they would end up being uh, seven times tag team champions. And Edge himself would be a 14-time champion. Um, he won the 2001 King of Ring. And for me, why I picked Edge over a lot of these um, other potential picks is he was the person for me who I always felt he had a glass ceiling or he struggled to to break through. But in 2004, he really reinvented himself and Pushed his way through that uh, brass, uh, that uh, glass ceiling, grabbed that brass ring, and became an absolute superstar in in wrestling. To the point, he was calling himself the the Rated R Superstar. Won um, the Money in the Bank. Won multiple world champions to the point where he had. Um, uh, 11 total world titles involved in some huge storylines with john cena a real kind of almost like career feud uh really showed the the tenacity to to keep himself on top using the likes of uh vicky guerrero um and and lita and 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 people like that to to really kind of uh just keep himself in the conversation um he would end, end up being inducted into the, the 2012 Hall of Fame after he uh after he had to relinquish his last world title uh because he had the he had spinal stenosis and the risk of uh, being paralyzed uh if he got further injured. But then uh last uh, in in 2019 we saw Edge come back, he speared Elias and that started the rumour mill kicking off that perhaps we may get Edge back, and that was confirmed. At last year's Royal Rumble, where we got that massively emotional return. He ended up with his feud back with uh, with his uh, frenemy, uh, Randy Orton, had a, an amazing match at, uh, at WrestleMania. And unfortunately, he tore his tricep at, at the, the rematch at Backlash. But as of, I think, yesterday, uh, for context, we're recording this on the 26th of January, He's declared himself for the 2021 Royal Rumble. So this guy's career has, has, has come round over 25 years. He's as relevant as ever. Probably still going to be a world, another world champion. He's the record holder for the amount of accolades in, in the WWE. And uh, an absolute legend. And yeah, he's, I am an a, a unabashed, unashamed edgehead. So yeah, I've got to go with, uh, with edge.
0: Talk about like Mount Rushmore theme music as well, just to touch on the Brood. Like, he,
1: that he's is. He's got Mount Rushmore theme music of his own. He could have the full Mount Rushmore.
0: Yep. And <laughs> he could take them all. He <laughs> yeah. can even do like his original You Think You Know Me weird mm-hmm. techno dance track on there. Yeah. And maybe not as strongly. Uh, I thought
1: that there's the Brood, there's the uh, You Think You Know Me, then there's uh, Never Gonna Stop. Yeah, the the guy is, is
0: forgot about that. What a banger! Oh man, I know what I'm doing. Like the instant we're <laughs> off this podcast,
1: <laughs> but you're bang on, man. Like,
0: well, edge edge was. It's the weirdest way to put it, but like, he was my last cut. It's really hard not to list that guy, even as a Mount Rushmore talent, nonetheless, a Canadian Mount Rushmore talent. He's he's done it all there really isn't another way to put it his return. Like I fully admit, I cried, I cried in the middle of a bar and I was far from the only individual to do it. Cause again, like just seeing somebody get back to what they love doing more so than anything, even personal for me, the, the feud's great. Okay. I'm excited to watch him wrestle again. The surprise of the Royal rumble return. Great. Okay. But like, it's literally a couple seconds after that for me, where I was like, this guy's back doing what, like just, he, he, he loves there's no other way to put it. Anything like that, whether it was him, whether it was Daniel Bryan, like hits you in the heart. So we can add that to my earlier list of, uh, puppy movies and, uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, everything else that I cry about, including <laughs> canada Scott <laughs> got talent. I'm just trying to keep it coy. <laughs>
1: What really kind of cements Edge on on this Mount Rushmore for me personally is is his backstory. The fact that he was a wrestling fan from day one. Him him and Jay uh, hitchhiked to go and watch WrestleMania. That's dedication. That's passion for the for the business. And I'm I'm glad that he's been able to have a career. And and I couldn't be happier for him when he was able to to come back and watching him tear up whilst uh, his music was playing and he was coming down to the road. But yeah, that, if you didn't create that, you are a monster. You're an absolute monster.
0: Emotionless, yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. But does he stay on our Mount Rushmore, Paul? Well,
2: what, what would it make me if I vetoed him?
1: It would, <laughs> <laughs> After all of it, that. Would, it would make you a former co-host of Badlands. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Listen, I, I see our responsibility um, on Badlands. We're like the unelected representative of the people, okay? Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, I've am i gone back and I've looked at our collective... Is that Mount- not a dictatorship? Yeah, well, under- it is really.
0: <laughs> Narco-syndicate commune. <laughs>
2: people don't want to listen to us, but they have to. Yeah.
1: <laughs> um,
2: so I've gone back and looked at our collated Mount Rushmore list and the top four Canadian wrestlers are Chris Jericho, Bret Hart, Edge, and Kenny Omega. So I can't therefore veto edge because because I, it would be a it'd be a dereliction of my duties bam got hit with the rule book paul there you go yeah. <laughs> i did i i my, my one i was i'm in an ring about honorable mention was gail kim
0: and that's yeah. an excellent choice too that yeah, absolutely is, is an excellent choice like the work she did with tna and wwe in the same way that i talked about trish stratus like the amount of people she inspired is enough to have her on there. Like if you were to somehow and somehow inexplicably exclude what she did in ring, she still has the merit for the amount of people she's influenced. It's nuts, nuts. Absolutely. And,
1: and even the in ring stuff, she was, I mean, we talked about Trish being kind of ahead of her time, but she was so far ahead of women's wrestling oh, wow. uh, back then. Yeah. Uh, with the, with her and uh, Victoria and Jazz, there were three women who you could you you could see the future of women's wrestling if it was given a chance, and it's just a shame it took the best part of twenty years for that to happen.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, man. It's it's selfish as all hell of me. Don't get me wrong, but like my hope, my sole single hope that I had when Deonna Purrazzo signed with Impact was that Gail Kim match. And if it ever happens, great. And if it doesn't, she had a hell of a run. She had her retirement. She she got the right send-off and the one she deserved. I won't be upset if she doesn't come back. But watching that match, man, I, I talk about what-ifs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> talk about what-ifs. I mean, she, she's still <laughs> working backstage, isn't she? So yep, if she's, if she's still she's working, working with the, back, the women. I yeah, but
2: so but I good.
0: think she she was fairly adamant when it happened that she had retired after, uh, after that match with Tessa Blanchard a couple of years ago, I think it was. So yeah. And, and never say never in pro wrestling, but I always like the same way we talk about with, with Tyson Kidd my thought is always, well, God, this is gonna sound rude, but like just write off the possibility. Just write it off because then you're not disappointed if it doesn't happen and you're that much more excited if it does. Like Sting. Yeah. Do you know how much more excited I am about this Sting match coming up now? Because I didn't expect him to ever wrestle again. Unlike a lot of and and you know, do what do what makes you happy in pro wrestling. But for me, I didn't spend the last five years thinking about what about this match with the Undertaker. Didn't need to. I really didn't. And now that he's back, I'm that much more excited. So, if we ever get that Gail Kim match, I am excited as all hell. I don't want to build my hopes up, you guys. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but I, I can't put her on over Edge, unfortunately. Edge, Edge is a astounding pick. And Edge, for me, he was he was like he was really popular right from the start. You mentioned when he tagged with Sable. I mean, that was that was actually. A really, um, that was really popular storyline yeah, with Edge just sitting up in the crowd watching,
1: like, who's this guy? It, and, and him tagging with Sable back then, I mean, right now it doesn't sound like it's much, but. Back then she was probably the the number two kind of um, star in 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 WWE, kind of like how Elizabeth was in the in the Hulk Hogan era. Um, people turned the the TV on for Sable. Uh, she was a, a massive draw, and for him to be thrown into SummerSlam as his first pay per view, tagging with Sable, yeah, the, it showed the company had high hopes for him. And, and he was able to to really kind of uh, repair that and and become the record holding uh, champion. I mean, he's won more titles in the company than than anybody in history. So he's had a, an absolutely outstanding career, and and he's still got so much more to come.
2: Mm-hmm. There you go. Then no vetoes.
1: Wow. See, it's that just having someone positive like like Spencer on. And, I was and just going to say, it rubbed off on us. Off on us. <laughs> <laughs> Normally we're at each other's throat. We can't wait to beat her. But yeah. <laughs> so Spencer, what we need from you now, sir, is uh we need a topic uh, for a future guest. What kind of Mount Rushmore would you uh, would you like to hear?
0: All right. Here's what I would like to hear from you guys. Is it more important to have more title reigns or longer title reigns?
1: Okay, so how do we format that into a Mount Rushmore?
0: I don't know. Your <laughs> great, great long title
1: reigns. Okay, so
0: let's, let's it's just it. a question I've been mulling lately because it feels like one of those debates to like for, is divisive. I guess I, it's not the. It's not that heavy a debate. That feels like a heavy (laughs) word, but like, I don't know. Cause for me, when you look at someone who's got 16 championships, yeah, that's impressive. But then you look at 434 days, you look at 509 days, like it's a cool debate for me. So greatest long title reigns. That's what we'll go with for uh, your next Mount Rushmore. Sounds fun. I like that.
1: Yeah, I do as well. I I love kind of deep diving into into things like that. So yeah, uh, can't wait to do that one. audit, um, so just,
0: just to give a number so that there's no debate for your next guest. Anything over a hundred days. That's over three months. Okay. Right? Okay. Plus easy round number. More <laughs> important part. It was an easy round number. <laughs>
1: So, Spencer, this has been absolutely amazing. Uh, let the the Badlands listeners know where they can find you on social media, where they can uh, they can find the amazing uh, Love Wrestling content that you put out.
0: Well, hopefully they can find me back on here sooner rather than later, because that was an <laughs> More absolute pleasure.
1: Than seriously, More than thank
0: well. you so, so much for having me. Uh, you know, to mark out a little bit myself, I've loved listening to your guys' show, so it's cool for me to be on it. Um, thanks once again. As far as my own stuff goes, as far as everything you've got going on with Love Wrestling on my end of things, uh, pretty well any social media platform you can think of. Uh, you can find us at Love Wrestling CA. The CA at the end is to differentiate us because there are so many places that love professional wrestling that we needed to find it. So... Let's stick the Canadian flair on the end. Love Wrestling CA pretty well anywhere. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, all that fun stuff. You can get us all there if you're looking for me personally. Uh, admittedly, I'm much more active on Twitter. That is my even just preferred contact method. So if you're looking for me, look at Spenny Love on Twitter. That's me. I love talking professional wrestling with anyone, anytime, any opportunity I get. Uh, if you want to see a lot of great pictures of my dog, I'm on Instagram. Instagram, at Spenny and the Jets. There are two S's at the end of that because there is only one more person on planet Earth more clever than I, and that's the guy who got the original at name of Spenny and the Jets on Instagram. So I've got two S's <laughs> on the end of that, but like I said, Twitter's usually the place to find me specifically. If you want to keep up with the latest and greatest we've got on Love Wrestling, pretty well anywhere that you can find any sort of social media interactive platform, it's at Love Wrestling CA.
1: Well, I'm, I'm sure I can speak for for Paul in saying we've absolutely uh, loved having you on, and you are more than welcome back. Absolutely, any anytime. This has been a a, a great recording. Um, yeah, we you you, you you I just love the positivity. I just can't get enough of the the Spencer love positivity. So it's I love the vision.
2: positivity. I love I love when I've said it before. I love it when when we get educated on. Uh, on this podcast, I feel we've been educated a bit in
0: Canadian wrestling tonight. Well, and to be honest with you, that warms my heart because it's like when there's so many great professional wrestling fans out there, it's hard to ever feel like you're being the educational one because I'm in the same boat. I love just love learning about pro wrestling. That's the reason I love talking to other people is because as someone who like quite literally really only started watching wrestling as like a consistent hardcore fan say about 10 years ago, which is a long time, but you miss a lot. Um, It's so cool for me. The same sort of thing is get that education. Like I I bring up Tyson Kidd earlier. That individual has taught me so much about professional wrestling and Canadians in professional wrestling. It's it's the knowledge tree. You know, it's the most cliche way you can put it, but like sit under it. You can learn from anybody.
1: Absolutely. Um, Paul, your favorite time of the week.
2: Speaking of learning from a- a- anybody, I-, I don't think anyone's gonna learn much from us, Darren. <laughs> but if, if they want to,
1: they can Blood follow us on. Not not create a podcast.
2: <laughs> they can follow us on Twitter. Um he's over at Dej Kirkby. That's D-E-J Kirkby. I'm at Rain Counter and we're both at Badlands Pod. We'd love to hear what you thought about the Mount Rushmores tonight. Um who 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 were we missing off our greatest ever Canadian wrestlers, uh, who had the best. Canadian Mount Rushmore was it? Was it? Was it Spencer with uh, Heart, Jericho, Stratus, and Kid, or was it us with uh, Heart,
0: Jericho, Heart and Edge? Or I'm going to be really embarrassed if I lose this one as a Canadian. <laughs> and and they've both got their equal merits. Don't get me wrong. It it won't be on. I think mine's better. It'll just be on. Man, if I lose a Canadian contest as a Canadian, do a couple of <laughs> English guys. <laughs>
1: I think it's safe to say the Canadian Mount Rushmore wouldn't just have four. Probably be about four <laughs> yeah.
2: Or is the conglomerate view better, better? The one that all our guests have come up with, which is Jericho, Hart, Edge and Kenny Omega. Let us know. It'll be fascinating to, to hear what you think. Um, if you've enjoyed what you heard, you can hear lots more podcasts with our voices on and loads of other really talented, um, talented people. If you go over to your podcast provider and follow or subscribe rather to, um, five nerds go shooting the Sportsish, uh, visionaries, global media and cheershot radio. And of course, cheershot radio is where you'll find our brand new episodes every single Thursday. So if you've enjoyed come and listen again, next Thursday, um, until then, Stay safe. Always use your head. Um, Try.
1: Wear a mask.
2: Bye-bye. Wear a mask, yeah.
1: Chairshot.com.
2: Always use your head.